people. Amen. In John chapter 17, I'd like to read a few words. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. It says, Jesus prays for all believers. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as I and you, and you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, 23, and you and me, may they be brought complete unity. Let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 25, righteous Father, though through the world, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you have sent me. 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the you that the love you have for me may be in them and that I my I myself may be in them. Let's pray. Father, I bless this time. Bless us as we share and bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. My name is Dolphus Weary, not Daddy Winters. I'm retired. What does that mean? It means that I spent 27 years in ministry in a town called Mendenhall, Mississippi. Spent nine years with an organization called Mission Mississippi. And then spent about 20 years, you know, 13 of them was volunteer and seven of them were working with an organization that's called Real Christian Foundation. My wife, Rosie, and I have been married for 20, 47 years, 48 years. It'll be 49 in August. Now, the way my wife says it is, if, if she can hang out with me until August 15th, it'll be 49 years. But yesterday, we went to a celebration of a couple who had been married for 70 years. 70 years. Now, 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 now look at me. If somebody can be married 70 years, and somebody can be married 48 years, that means there's hope, isn't it? There's hope for others. There's hope for you. I don't know where you are, but there is hope for you, and it's hope for all of us. Today, um, the message I want to share today is for me and also for you. Let me say that again. The message I want to share today is for me, but it's also for you. A friend of mine 
from Laurel, Mississippi, by the name of Dr. Charles Marsh. He wrote a book, and the book is entitled The Beloved Community. Dr. Marsh is a professor of religion at the University of Virginia, but he's also the professor of lived theology. The question that he raises and he talks about it is, how do we live out what we believe? Let me say it again. I think you missed it. How do we live out what do we believe? We can talk about it, but how do we live it out? And this morning, I want to talk about how do we live out being a church and community. Nettie Winters is probably talking about how does the church go outside and how does the church be in the community out there and all of that. And that's important and it's wonderful. And for me, I'm struggling with how do we be the church on the inside of the walls? How do we really live it out inside of the walls, living together, sharing together, working together, being together? How in the world do we make this happen? Now, I've heard about some organizations. There's an organization in Georgia called Cornelia Farms. I had the privilege years ago of serving on the board of Cornelia Farms. On that board with me was a guy by the name of Millard Fuller. Millard Fuller left that board and left Cornelia and started Habitat for Humanities. But they had this community, it's called the Cornelia Community. And in the Cornelia Community, everybody have everything in common. <laughs> Nobody owned their own car. Whatever money you had went into a central pot. Dr. John Perkins' son, Spencer Perkins, a guy by the name of Chris Rice, they bought a two-story house in Jackson, Mississippi and, and invited five families to come and be a part of that. And five families for about five or six years they lived in community. They lived common. They decided to have, you know, so many cars. And it wasn't your car. You didn't own a car. You used the car to go to work. Whenever you got your check, you brought your check in and you put it into a common pot. And in that common pot, they decided to make what we need to do and what we need to do to live it out. But that was the way, one way of doing that. That was one way of doing it. Cornelia, there was a group up in Chicago, you know, Reba Place. Living around all across the country, people are trying to live that out. That's one way of living it out. But this morning, I don't want to talk about that kind of way of living it out because that would be a shock for all of us. Because we love to have our space, we love to have our car, we love to have our money. We want to do what? <laughs> well, let me leave it alone. That, that I don't want to go that deep. But I do want to talk about community and how do we begin to live it out and how do we begin to be the body of Christ, the state of being brought together as a whole body. And the ways that Bellwether Church can share, one of the things it talks about is how do we learn how to share together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, it says, if one part suffers, the other part suffers. Suffering together. How in the world and how many times do we feel like that there are people around us in this church that if I was suffering, I could go to them? Let me say it again. I think you missed it. In this body called Bellwether, is there somebody in this body is that if you were suffering, 
you can go to that person. And not only to that person, you can go to a group of people that will listen to your suffering and suffer with you. Not look at you over there and say, poor you, something must be wrong with you. But to be able to say, I want to come and suffer with you. I want to be able to understand where you are, and I want to be able to suffer with you. In 1994-84, our son, Reginald, had uh, what is it, cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he had to be in the hospital for 10 weeks. And Rose and I learned something about community. Because there were some people we knew that came along beside of us and came to the hospital and said, you go home. Names like uh, the Baileys and Ridgeways and Parkers. We had, to, we had to be in community because we were in there so long, we needed somebody to come along and say, you go do this and, and I will take care of this. That was our part. And we had to learn, how, we had to learn another thing too because part of our whole thing is we had never up until that time had an engagement with somebody white that would love us enough to be suffering with us and we found out that, that y'all you, you, were okay. Because that question was, how can I leave and go home and leave my son here with this person that's white? But the person was white was a member of the body of Christ. Yes, I can do it because this person is willing to suffer with me. This person has come to the hospital many times. This person has gone and done some things with us many times. So this person is willing to suffer with me and with of us. So the question we raise are we willing to suffer with one another? And, as, and if you were suffering, who would you tell? Let me say that again. I think you missed it. I'm talking to me too. Am I, am I, did y'all hear me? I'm talking to me too. If I was suffering, who would I go to? Because in order to go to somebody, I have to trust that they love me enough to be able to suffer with me, not judge me, but to suffer with me. And I want to be, as a part of the body of Jesus Christ, we want to learn how to suffer together. Well, let me, let me change the tone a little bit because there's some other ones too. Number two, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Wow. Rejoice with those who rejoice. To boast on the well-being of others. In the body of Christ, in the body of Baal, uh, here, is there, is there somebody that you can go and rejoice with? Listen, you have to take a chance. You have to take a chance that they will rejoice with you or they might judge you and they might say, I wish I had your car. I wish I had your house. I wish I had your job. I wish it was mine. Can you find somebody out that you can say, I want to go and I have something to rejoice about. Who can I go share it with? In the body. Now the people who go to the bar, they got somebody. Keep looking up here. Don't y'all kick nobody. The people who go to the bar, they got somebody. They can go there and get their wine or beer or whiskey or whatever, and they can all fall out together, and they can all rejoice together because they got something. If we had something to rejoice about, 
Where would we go? Who would we talk to? Who would we ask to invite to rejoice with you? Because I rejoice with you getting a new car or new house or new promotion. I'm interested in your well-being. I'm willing to rejoice with you. Number three. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carrying each other's burden, help to bear the load of somebody else. I can't come to your rescue, but I can pray for you, and I can honestly seek to understand where you are. I've never been to a rodeo. And sometimes I ask myself the question, which one is the hardest to ride? Or the, the horse or the bull? But, but I can venture to say <laughs> that whether it's the horse or the bull, when you get on them, if they could talk, they would say, get off my back, I got enough to carry. And the, reason, and the reason I'm bucking so hard is that I have enough on my back. Get off me. You know, sometimes we look at somebody going through something and we say, I have enough to bear my own. Rather than going and saying, let's talk about it. And how can I help you bear the load. Most of us say, golfers we're included, I got so much on my own back. I got so many things coming after me. I'm dealing with so much stuff. I don't have the time or the energy to go and help you bear your load. Just go out on and bear it by yourself. And I want you to know that there are church bodies all around where people are sitting there bearing stuff by themselves. And nobody knows it because we play these games of looking good when we come to church. And I think God wants us to learn how to be good rather than just look good. And so in the body of Christ, we need to learn how to help carry each other's burdens. Number four. In Galatians 6.1 it says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Number four is restoring each other. If somebody in this body messes up, who could you talk to? If you made a mistake, who can you go and talk to? And have that person to be able to gently, you, you hear the word, it said gently, restore. Now, I don't quite understand all of gently, but I do understand this. If you were tossing somebody an egg, <laughs> if you were tossing somebody an egg, you have to learn how to catch it gently. You'd have to do something to soften the, the fall. 
because if you don't soften the fall, it will bust all over your head or your face. So I understand if you throw somebody a jet egg, they have to gently catch it. And you know something? When somebody's hurting, they need to have somebody gently listen. And listen. And when somebody's telling you, shut your mouth and listen more than talk. Let me say it again. I think you missed it. Because so often we got our, we got our pack and our, we got our answers so quick. Because it's easy to have answers when you're on the mountaintop. It's easy to throw out Bible verses when you're walking on the mountaintop. It's harder to have the Bible verses when you're in the valley. When somebody's in the valley, they need somebody to come in and get in the valley. And walk with them through it. They need somebody to say, I'm willing to suffer with you. I'm willing to come and be with you. I'm willing to be your friend. I'm willing to be the person that you can pour out to me. And both of us going to take it to the Lord in prayer. And both of us going to walk through this together. And both of us going to believe God to do whatever is necessary to heal and to restore. That's too much there. Let me go. Let me go to number five. Romans 12, 30, 15, 30. I urge you to join us in my struggle by praying to God for me. Praying for one another. We need to be praying for one another. One of the things I, I tell my wife all the time is that she is the prayer warrior in our family. If somebody gave me a prayer request, yes. And so, I'm, listen, I'm confessing. I'm going to go and pray about it by that one time or something like that, and then I'm going to something else. You see, I'm not communicating. She writes it down, and she makes a list, and she prays every day, every other day, but she prays consistently. But listen, we need people who are praying for us. Now, let me tell you how the best way to get prayed for. Wait a minute, strike that. Let me tell you the best way not to get prayed for is look healthy. Look like everything is okay. If you look like everything is okay, if you act like everything is okay, nobody will pray for you. If you want to get prayed for, do something wrong. Get sick. If you really want to get prayed for, get sick. If you really want to be prayed for, do something wrong. You end up on a prayer list quick. But in order to get on a prayer list, just look healthy. That's why we need to be praying for one another. Because sometimes we're looking healthy when we're not healthy. Sometimes we're walking around hurting when we ought to be sharing that hurt. And the body of Jesus Christ offers a place that that can be shared. The body of Jesus Christ offers a place, and we need to be growing. And I realize the fact that Dolphus Weary is getting ready to go over his time. Listen. <laughs> the body of Jesus Christ. You are the body of Christ. Yes, Practice restoring one another. Practice praying for one another. Practice teaching and admonishing one another. Practice refreshing one another. 
Practice encouraging one another. Practice forgiving one another. Please. Please. If you have all against somebody or somebody have all against you, do something about it. Do something about it. Don't spend so much time wondering what the other person will think. Spend time thinking about what God wants you to do. And he wants you to make sure that you are restored and you are doing what God wants you to do. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Love comes from God. Love comes from God. The songwriter says, when we all get to heaven, sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Let's pray. This morning, we've talked about church community. But this morning, maybe you're here, and you maybe you want to be a part, and maybe you are a part, but you don't know Jesus. And right now, I ask that if you don't know Jesus, that you will say right now in your heart, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, take away my sins, and help me to live the Christian life so that I can be a part of the body of Jesus Christ and understand what it means to grow in you. Help me not to be religious, but help me to trust you in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to share this morning, and I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would take this word and apply it to the hearts of your people and bless us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.